0: We're going to continue to worship God in a different way as we hear from his word uh, through Tim Chilvers, one of our leaders here who's going to be uh, sharing with us from our series Hold Back the River uh, and uh, looking at the river that this church was built on. People arrive in Birmingham perhaps looking for the physical river when they hear riverside. We don't have a physical one but we do have a biblical river that the vision of this church is built on which is that out of times like this, in the sanctuary of his presence, that we go out from here, equipped again to love the world that he's given us and and given more of that love as we worship him. We're going to uh, hear about that in a moment, but we're just going to revisit the passage again. We looked at it last week. Uh, We're going to be looking at it each of the three weeks just to remind ourselves uh, of this core truth, really, for this church. Ezekiel 47. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. Another thousand cubits and he led me through water that was knee deep. Another thousand, and he led me through water that was up to the waist. Another thousand, but now it was a river that I couldn't cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river with trees on each side. He said to me, when this water empties into the sea, the water becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish, so where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore, from En to Eneglem. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Lord, be with us now. Change us by your word, we pray. And be with Tim as he shares the truth that you've prepared for him to share. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Let me ask you, what's your aim for this year? What's your focus in 2017? It's important to have an aim, it's important to have something to focus on. As Zig Ziglar famously said, you hit what you aim at. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So, what are you aiming at? What are you focusing on this year? What's your focus? Or as George Lucas, the producer and director of Star Wars said, always remember your focus determines your reality. What you focus on will be your reality. Now, Some of us, of course, don't have a focus. Uh, We've given up on all that sort of stuff. But these few weeks at the beginning of the year, we're going back to our focus as a church, back to our roots. As we look, as Judy said, at this passage which is foundational for us as a church, Riverside Church, in which we get a glimpse of this amazing river. And so as we jump into it, let me ask you, what's the most breathtaking, the most inspirational river that you've ever stood by? Think about it. What's the river that you've stood by that has really just been wow? Just share it with the person you sat next to. If you don't know them, say hello. But tell, what's the most breathtaking river that you've ever, ever come across? For me, this is the river that was most breathtaking. Anyone know what that river is? It's the Zambezi, that's Victoria Falls. And it is truly breathtaking. It, It is inspiring to be stood by it and hear it thunder and roar. And of course, you see the life all around it. The sense of awe at this amazing river. Well, for us, this picture mentioned in this passage of a river flowing out, bringing life and vibrancy and color and hope and freedom and joy wherever it goes is foundational for us as a church. As we get this picture of this amazing joy and life that comes you see it's important for us to get a glimpse of where this passage fits in the Bible you see uh, if you take a text out of context you may well be left with a con and so it's important for us to remember where does this text that is so foundational for us fit in the Bible what's it all about what is this river What's Ezekiel going on about? And Ezekiel, frankly, is a strange book. It is not a simple read, (laughs) if you've ever tried to read it. All wheels and all this sort of stuff. But the truth is, it is a book in which God's people are in desperate times. They are a long way from home, both physically and spiritually. They are in exile. They've continually sought other gods and then along the way all sorts of terrible things have happened. They've gone against God and what's happened? They've been invaded, overtaken. And they're a long way from home. But not only that, their city, Jerusalem, where the temple is, which represents their, their encounter, their relationship with God as they meet with him, his presence is under threat. And then you get halfway through the book and Jerusalem is destroyed. So they are a long way from home and now they have no home to go back to. And so therefore for you, if your world is falling apart, if you are desperate and it seems hopeless, Ezekiel as a book, the context is right on it for you. Desperate times. And then as we approach the end in amongst all of this Desperate stuff, we have these amazing chapters, chapters 40 to 48, in which God's prophet, Ezekiel, speaks of one day, one day when the temple will be restored, that relationship with God, being in God's presence, and then what happens is when that's restored, it will then go on and be a blessing all around to the world around and we here in chapter 47 have a picture of it as a river that flows out bringing blessing wherever it goes life and freedom and joy and all of that and so for me my understanding of the book is as we on the other side of Jesus on the other side of the cross read this What this is all about, this river, is God's people empowered by God's spirit, taking God's good news, the message of Christ, hope, life, freedom, to a dying, desperate world and seeing life, joy, hope. Which is why, as a church, we want to be a place in which anybody at any situation from any background can come and find life. Where else in society do we go? Where else in society do we have a group of people where a nine year old and a 90 year old are equals? In which a convict and those who convict are equals? In which people who are desperately broken and relationships are falling apart and those who are newly happily married? Where else in society, all ages, all ages, all stages, all backgrounds can join together as one forgiven, whole, full of joy, full of God's spirit? God's people. On a mission, and so as we go, it's summarised by this verse: Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither; their will nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Picture of a dying, desperate world having life and seeing growth and fruit and blessing. Every month, people encountering and finding life. And at the end of last year, we felt it was right to maybe even hope and dream and pray for that every month that people might encounter Jesus and find whole eternal life. And then maybe even this year, we might see a 100 people come into our walls as people who found life. And so therefore this year, five things for us to focus on that we might be a people. What would it look like if we focused on these things? This year, what difference might we make? Five focuses for us, and the first is this. This year, 2017, may we be a people who reform, not retreat. Who engage in culture, not disconnect from culture. Sadly, Christians and the church are sometimes known as this. Horrible, judgmental, anti, always critiquing, always pointing out error, always judging. Now, here at Riverside, we may not be like that, and it's fantastic that we're not, and yet, and yet, in our own hearts, are we sometimes just a little bit like this? just a little bit grumbly, a little bit moany, a little bit pointing out error, a little bit pointing out where things, there are gaps. I love this quote from American comedian Stephen Colbert. Joy is the most infallible sign of the existence of God. I think he's on to something. May we as a church be more like this, lad. (laughs) Who have found life in Christ, forgiveness, hope, freedom. And reading through this passage, you see life coming everywhere, not judgment or condemnation, hope, fruit, good things. And therefore there's a call, isn't there, to not retreat from culture, from society, to kind of lob grenades from a distance of what society should be. But to engage like that river, bringing breath and life wherever we go, as people of joy. Being the sort of people who are known for bringing reformation in our context, whatever that looks like. Bringing the sort of change that our workplace needs or our neighborhood needs or even our family needs or our friendship group needs. Not retreating, from them over there, but being a part of them over there and bringing change and life in the life that we found. But also some of us, if we're honest, we're convinced that God wants to use our lives to make a difference. We wanna make our lives count. Some of us long to see dramatic change through our lives and yet what happens is we don't see that quickly. And so therefore we move on from that context, that place, to somewhere else where hopefully we might be able to make a difference. And it doesn't come there so we move on to somewhere else and we may want to make a difference there. And that can be true for relationships, it can be true for places, it can be true for workplaces, it can be true for cities we live in. We want to make a difference and when you don't see it we move on, we move on, we move on, because we're convinced we want to make a difference. So we retreat from a context to try and make a difference in another one rather than sticking with that context and seeing the long-term fruit of God's people sticking in a place and faithfully serving him, reforming bit by bit, word by word, place by place. You can only influence a culture if you're committed to that culture. So may I ask you, can I ask me, are we known as people who bring life to any circumstance, to our workplace, to our family environment, to our neighborhood. Or are we known as the people who are a little bit distant, a little bit cynical, a little bit critical? What does that look like for you tomorrow morning at work? What does it look like for you this afternoon at home with your mates? Be a people who reform, not retreat. Second focus this year is this. 2017, may we be a people We focus on prayer as well as practicalities. Do you notice where this life stems from? It's pretty clear, isn't it? Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. The source of this change, this fruit, these fish, this vibrancy in culture, the source is God himself, not God's people. And therefore, what would it look like if this year we as individuals and we as a church devoted ourselves again to prayer as well as practicalities? Spurgeon was a Victorian preacher, great man of God, and he said this about prayer, brilliant words. Any quote that has the word Leviathan in is a good quote by me. Listen to this about prayer. You can imagine a fiery preacher saying, here we go. Prayer is the never-failing resort of the Christian in every plight. When you cannot use your sword, you may take to the weapon of all, prayer. Your powder may be damp, your bowstring may be relaxed, but the weapon of all, prayer, need never be out of order. Leviathan laughs at the javelin but trembles at prayer. Prayer is an open door which none can shut. Devils may surround you on all sides, but the way upward is always open. In every condition, whether of poverty or sickness, obscurity or slander or doubt, your God will welcome your prayer and answer it from his holy place. True prayer is true power. Leviathan Trimbles. The author Jack Miller looked at revival of when the church really grew and when those Christ- people became Christians and when the kind of society really was impacted by it and looked at the type of prayer that kind of went on in those contexts. And he basically differentiates between two types of prayer, what he calls maintenance prayer and frontline prayer. Now, maintenance prayer is the sort of normal prayer. The Lord, please bless my week at work. I've got this meeting. Please help me in it. The type prayer. Good prayer, important prayer, but the sort of maintenance, the stuff that kind of you just go on. It's almost, if you compare it to meals, this is sort of beans on toast prayer, you know? You gotta, it feels, you know, it's fine, but it's not gonna win any awards. You know what I mean? Prayers don't win awards anyway, you know what I mean? Anyway, (laughs) then in contrast to that kind of prayer, you have frontline prayer, which is, if you like, sort of prevailing prayer that kind of pushes on through. And he notices in these times of dramatic change that that kind of prayer comes to the fore and it's characterized by three things. One, confession of sin. In other words, a humility that recognizes it's our fault (laughs) as individual's. So confession before God, because we know that he's forgiving and will forgive us from all that sin. Two, that prayer is characterized by a passion for the flourishing of the church, interestingly, and thirdly, passion to know God. Confessing our sin before God, passion to see his church flourish, and passion to know God. And interestingly, it's almost as if maintenance-type prayer, we gotta kind of keep on praying until we start praying, if you know what I mean. And it's then that God does amazing things, and so may this year be a year in which we're known as people who pray, pouring out our hearts to God, prayer as well as practicalities. The third thing is this, This year, 2017, may we focus on life change, not lifestyle. Do you notice the change that happens as a result of this river? Did you see it? Let me read it to you. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there, makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live life. This is not just tweaking. This is not just a nice pretty plant that's been pruned. This is life. Now our society is one in which many of us are crying out for change, hope, help. And we are turning any direction we can vaguely get that may give us some sort of hope or help. I love this cartoon. Because many of us are convinced that it's our fault, therefore we're the ones who've got to change ourselves rather than being forgiven by God because we're all sinful and therefore we all need God's change. And the truth is, the more we're convinced it's about our change that needs to happen, the more it will destroy us. Because we can't. Can you? I can't. The offer of the good news of Jesus is nothing other than total life change. Total life change. I remember a a few years ago in a different church I was in a prayer meeting and in this prayer meeting a guy had come who'd just become a Christian, he'd started following Jesus from quite a tricky background and got quite an interesting past, dramatic transformation and into this prayer meeting he brought a mate of his who wasn't a Christian, it's classic Brought him to the wrong meeting, you know. He brought him to a prayer meeting. Shouldn't have come there. Anyway, so I was in the group, right? Mainly made out of Christians, and I was in this guy's group along with his mate. And his mate was clearly uncomfortable in this prayer meeting. He didn't know what to do, what to say, how to. He was just awkward. Okay, my other mate, who'd just become a Christian, was passionate praying and all this. Anyway, as a church. (laughs) they'd they'd had some difficulty with some kind of teenage lads from the state who basically took it upon themselves to try and interrupt every church meeting. And what they would do is they would come in the back door and shout, and then kind of run away. And every now and again, like this prayer meeting, two lads, teenage lads, ran through the church, effing and blinding, to try and disrupt the prayer meeting, laughing as they went. What happened next was fascinating, because this guy who'd come with the guy who'd become a Christian, leapt out of his seat, grabbed one of them by the throat, <laughs> pinning him up against the wall, exchanged a few words that aren't in the Bible. <laughs> and then this guy, who, the teenager who'd said to him, well, you're not one of them, are you? And he said, and I still remember his words, no, but I've seen what it's done to my mates, and so there's gotta be something to it. Life change, not lifestyle. This was not this guy had had a moral awakening and decided to become, quotes, good. He'd had everything flipped upside down, totally changed. And my guess is that for some of us here, we have never fully investigated Jesus at all. And we've kind of presumed we know and have never really understood the offer of true transformation and hope. If that's you, in your outlook, as you came in, you'll see a little flyer for Alpha. We're starting another Alpha course, we do it every term, starting at the end of January. Please can I urge you to think really seriously about coming? Because millions of people around the world have done this and have found their lives completely changed as a result and how it would be really a shame if you've kind of gone your life and never fully investigated because you presumed you knew. Please do think about it coming along. But also for those of us who are followers of Christ, maybe we want to use this, who in our sphere you know is looking for help, for rescue, for hope? (coughs) Think about Alpha. So life change, not lifestyle. That's the third thing. The fourth is this. Fourth focus for this year is to think global as well as local. Global picture as well as local picture. Did you know that in 1957, there were were 170 registered Elvis impersonators? Did you know that? (laughs) Did you know in 2007, there were 200,000 registered Elvis impersonators? Therefore, if that trend continues, by 2057, a third of the world's population (laughs) will be Elvis impersonators. Growth. We live here in the UK at a time in global history in which the church is seen to be dying out of touch, irrelevant, unnecessary and old. Part of our history but not part of our future and certainly we hope not part of our present. And so there's temptations to change or temptations for us in the church to kind of hunker down a little bit as though, you know, we're under the cosh a bit. Look again at verse nine. Swarms of living creatures will be wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. Where the river flows, everything will live. In other words, change will happen through this river, bringing life all across the area. I don't know what you think of that, but let me just take you through some history for a moment. This is a map of history of the planet. 12 AD, the Roman Empire was God, if you like. It wasn't, you know what I mean? Christianity was nowhere. The Roman Empire was of the known world, the, 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 the big thing. Cast forward a few hundred years, Christianity in cream, you see the cream color there, is spreading beyond the Roman Empire. Roman is still there, still very powerful. Cast forward to 441 AD, the Roman Empire is ah nowhere. Christianity, still spreading, still growing. Now you've got a Byzantine Empire, and you look forward to 1020 AD. Byzantine Empire is still there, but look at the way Christianity is spreading across the planet. Cast forward to 1287, alongside the growth of Islam, you've then got the, the rise of the Mongol Empire and Genghis Khan doing his stuff. And you see how huge it is. But then just cast forward a few more hundred years and the, of course Genghis Khan's nowhere to be seen at all. Look at the, now how far the Christian message has spread. 1750. Then in 1967, you've got the rise of communism. Of course, anyone that was old enough to remember that will have known the fear, the feeling of, kind of, whoa, this is taking over. And then of course, just mere 30, 40 years later on, communism declined. And just look how far the Christian message has spread. Now I don't show those pictures to say isn't the church doing a brilliant job? Or isn't the church always fantastic? Or all those places, they're all Christian. Of course we know that's not true. Or isn't it fantastic to see us building our empire? Now I don't show any of that. I simply show those pictures to say that when Jesus said I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it, he was telling the truth. He did mean it. And therefore, for us, we can have confidence. We can have confidence that we are part of a global story as well as a local one. The river is bringing life all across this planet, hallelujah. And the final aspect is this. This year, 2017, may we be a people who dream small as well as big. Dream small as well as big. Does anyone know who this is? Anyone know? Let me mention her name. Her name is Henrietta Mears. Anyone know now know who Henrietta is? Mears is one or two people. Henrietta Mears is somebody who, if you walked past her in the street, you would not think that she was very important. She frankly wore slightly bizarre clothes. <laughs> always wearing thick glasses wherever she went, didn't present the image of somebody that would have a dramatic effect on human history. And yet, it is estimated that three billion people have been impacted as a direct result of her faith in Jesus, three billion people. You see, Henrietta Mears was a Sunday school teacher in California in the early and mid 20th century. And it was in that role that she had a big impact on many young men, young women's lives as she conducted faithfully her Sunday school class. But in the middle of those young men and women, two young men were part of her Sunday school group. One man, the first, was a guy named Bill Bright. Bill Bright would grow up and form an organization called Campus Crusade for Christ, who would then produce a film called The Jesus Film that would become the most influential tool in Christian mission history. There was a second guy in her Sunday school group, another Bill, a guy by the name of Billy Graham, who it's estimated would grow up and then speak to more people face-to-face than anyone else in human history about Jesus. You see, Henrietta Mears didn't know the influence she could have with her largely unimpressive life. And yet, and yet, she knew that the mission she was involved in was so much bigger than her the mission that required all her time, her energy, her money, her talent, because maybe, just maybe, through these people, I could make a real difference for all eternity. So much so that she said, thinking of her Sunday school group, when I think of my ministry, I think of the world. Anything less than that would not be worthy of Christ nor of his will for my life. Do you see the river? It starts as a trickle insignificant and yet by verse five we read these words, but now it was a river that I couldn't cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. And it can be easy for all of us to think of our lives not really making a difference, that we aren't that impressive, we're not that significant, we don't count. We can't achieve much with our lives but can I encourage you this year, dreams small as well as big, those little things in all our lives can make a massive difference for all eternity. Parents, if you're a parent, the way in which you do bring up your children can echo through eternity. You don't know what they or their grandchildren might go on to achieve in your workplace, that conversation with somebody, you do not know what difference that might make in their life and then wider than that. Those friendship groups when one of your mates is really at a low ebb, you do not know the impact of a caring arm around them or just a kind word or an offer to help out may make a difference for all eternity. You do not know the small things that you do and the giant impact that it might make. Henrietta Mears did not know three billion people through her Sunday school group. Your life can change history, like that river becoming a, a raging torrent like the Victoria Falls, thundering. May this year we be a people who dream small as well as big.